Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Thrilled to talk to Dave Revson, my old friend. Dave, welcome. Great to have you with us. Uh, most people are disappointed when they find out I'm not the football coach at Bucknell, Steve, but you've handled it pretty well. Uh, I, you know, that's okay. Um, <laughs> if you want, you and I I'd consider like to be. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think I do a heck of a job. I mean, I mean, I can make up yeah. a whole bunch of plays and then look around and go, "What do you guys think?" <laughs> uh, you know, those cannons were fired a little too much yesterday for the liking of this Chicago Bears fan. But. Yes, they were. Oh, uh, that that happens when it. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, this was a slice of history on Saturday. Uh, as you watch this play out in the old BTN studios, what did you think watching this game Saturday? Oh, man, uh, I don't know where to begin. We were um, – I think there was like a point in the third quarter where we looked at each other and said, you know, Illinois might win this game. Yep. And then we got like mid-fourth quarter and we said, you know what, Illinois deserves to win this game. And and that was kind of an interesting shift for me. But I think that was kind of the big thing that that I tried to emphasize, especially kind of for what we do. You know, we are in the business often of kind of catching people up on games they didn't necessarily see. You're a Big Ten fan, and maybe you watch your team, and then you turn to the Big Ten network afterward to kind of see everything else that went on. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of one of the big points of emphasis for me was Illinois deserved to win the game. Uh, I'm not saying they're the better team, but they were the better team Saturday. And, you know, they were, uh, you run for 357 yards. You dominate the line of scrimmage in the way that they did. You deserve to win the game. It's really that simple. So, as to how it happened and, uh, you know, why it happened and all that, uh, we can dive into that. But, but I think that was kind of our, our big thing was just Penn State flat out didn't play well enough to win and then of course there's the discussion of the overtime and the format and whether or not this is uh, the greatest format in the world for deciding <laughs> a football game and i'm sure you and i can get into that as well but yeah what but i would say that, that was minute, that, yeah. that was kind of the nature of our conversation was was just kind of the idea that illinois deserved to win i mean i know illinois only got into the red zone twice all day and they only scored 10 points this is in regulation but I kind of felt if you're looking at Minnesota, Maryland, and Illinois, Penn State, I thought that P.J. Fleck and Brett Bielema in a lot of ways did the same thing. They shortened the game. Is that how you looked at it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I guess I'm just old school enough to believe that if you dominate the line of scrimmage, oh, you could win the game. Yep. And Minnesota, Minnesota's a great line of scrimmage football team. They are really good. Both sides. Uh, Illinois isn't so much, <laughs> but uh, yeah. they were on Saturday. I mean, they were better at running the ball and they were better at stopping the run. I hear you. It's not as if they marched up and down the field. I mean, I, I understand kind of your point. There was a lot of there were a lot of yards in between the twenties. I don't think there's any question about that. But again, 357 rushing yards is 357 rushing yards. Like that's a dominant effort, and you know to hold Penn State's offense to to well under 250 yards. I mean, again, like, which team moved the ball better? It was Illinois. And and they did that mm-hmm. despite turning the ball over three times. 
Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like they were able to at any point take advantage of good field position or anything like that. I mean, they earned those yards. So, yeah, I mean, I hear you only a couple times in the red zone and, and whatnot. But, but again, I from where I sit, from kind of what I do and the way that I look at football games, and, and again, maybe it is old school. Maybe you don't need to dominate the line of scrimmage to win anymore, Steve. But but in uh, that game, with what Illinois' game plan was, I, I thought they executed really well. And, and I would have told you I thought it was an absurd game plan. I mean, I, I didn't think they'd be able to run the ball like that. I, I get the must hurts out, and, and I know that hurts Penn State up front, but they have been really good defensively, really good against yeah. the run to this point this year. So I, I was surprised that it was successful to the degree that it was. Well, I see. I'm with you all the way, Dave. That you have to, you still have to win games at the line of scrimmage because even if you're throwing the ball a lot, you still have to protect. You've got to win the line of scrimmage to make the whole thing work. So I'm with you all the way in terms of you must win on both sides of the line of scrimmage to to have a good day, even if it looks like it's a wild, out of control game. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 with you, and you know, look, I'm. I mean, I don't know how shocked you are. I mean, I was shocked by that result. You know, I had someone say to me, was doing kind of the, the in front of the, you know, pre-weekend interviews, whatever you want to call them, kind of the, the radio tour on Friday. Right. And I can't remember which of the various shows it was where someone said, okay, there are three teams that are, you know, three or four touchdown underdogs this weekend. And, you know, which of those three teams do you think has the the best chance of winning their game, and those were Indiana and Northwestern and Illinois. And I said none of them. I mean, right. I didn't think this was possible. I, I and and then if if Illinois were the team that you would answer, I would have thought it was because Sean Clifford didn't play in the game. Mm-hmm. As soon as you tell me Sean Clifford's going to play, then I assume he's healthy enough to kind of make an impact in that game. And and then I thought any chance of of Illinois having a shot at winning it would have gone out the window. So again, I mean, I'm, I still, I remain somewhat flabbergasted that that this happened. But I guess you know, my point is simply, I don't think there was any fluke to it on Saturday. So let's get to the format because obviously, I don't look. I did a three overtime Orange Bowl. I've done a four overtime Penn State Michigan game. So it's not like I haven't done overtime under the old format. But this is the first time I saw, even on TV, the first time I've seen this format live. You and I both know why they're doing it. They're trying to keep the number of plays down for players. right? I got that. So in watching it play out, what did you think? Well, I think I tweeted at one point, if the goal of this is to minimize the number of plays, they might want to rethink it. Because <laughs> uh, we were at the point where I mean, even if you say it's not just necessarily four downs with each possession, right? Because you get a first down without scoring, and sure. but but we probably added one and a half to two overtimes worth of possessions with the way that it played out, right? With the kind of six empty possessions for each team, and then the matching seventh possession per play, I should say, for each team. So you're talking about yeah. seven offensive, seven defensive plays. I think most overtimes. Like, if you went to a third overtime and then did an over-under on seven more plays, I'm guessing most of them would hit the under. I'm guessing they'd be decided before each side ran seven more plays or before 14 total plays were run. That's my guess. Again, I I could be wrong. I I haven't sat there and studied the numbers. So from that point of view of minimizing plays, I'm not sure to achieve what it wanted to. I was saying on our show today with with 
Power Griffith and Nicole Auerbach. I mean, it's not football, right? So if, if you're no. saying to yourself, well, I would like to see games decided in something that most closely resembles what the rest of the game looks like, this isn't it. I mean, I think possessions starting at the 25 are better, frankly. Maybe you start the possessions at the, the 10 or the 15 or whatever it is. Once you get past the first one or the first two, again, bring them closer to the goal line and, and in that way try to minimize the plays. But look, the most important sporting event in the world, if you were to ask people, like, what sporting event matters the most to you across the globe, right. it's the World Cup. That's right. Okay, and the the World Cup is often decided on something that only vaguely resembles the sport, right? right. The penalty kicks, right? So, and everyone accepts that result. So, so I mean, I'm not like here to you know kind of scream from the top of the mountain that this is an abject failure and we shouldn't do this. It was interesting as we were watching it. Donardo said we're up on the set, and and Donardo said to to Howard and Joshua and me. You know, this really is disadvantageous to the team that wants to throw the ball, which is Penn State. Right. The team that wants to run it, Illinois, you know, certainly a lot more of their package they can do from the three-yard line. But Penn State really can't. And he was saying, you know, it would take a lot of chutzpah, although that wasn't exactly the word he used, but something <laughs> resembling that. Uh, but the, the real strategy for Penn State might be to tell their guys to false start and to back themselves up five yards to give themselves more room to throw a pass. And, yeah. uh, you know, whether or not, I mean, if you didn't convert it, you would, of course, be absolutely, you know, you'd be roundly criticized. Right. But but it does make sense. I mean, just kind of this notion, it's really hard to complete a pass from the three-yard line. It just is. You have no room. I mean, the depth of the field is completely taken away. So not only does this look less like football than the rest of the game, but it even looks less like football than the, the previous overtime format just because you have in many ways taken away the passing game. All right. Well, in fact, I'll tell you the, the, the part that I had suggested to Jack Ham in our broadcast. I said, gee, you know, as it, you know, you're piling up overtimes here. <laughs> I said, I'm surprised Illinois hasn't put Isaiah Williams back in the Wildcat. And I don't, you know, only because he played quarterback last year. So that, that one, that Okay, so I want to say, I said that like in the fourth overtime. Yeah. I said in the green room, maybe they should give the ball to the most dynamic guy on the field. And it took them like until the eighth to do yeah. it. I mean, what are you doing? I think I suggested it in the sixth, but it's only because I heard you. <laughs> I took credit for it on the air too. You, uh, you when we should. were going over the highlight, I, you know, every once in a while I get something right. So the blind oh. squirrel has to, you know, has to pat himself on the back. But yeah, that, I that, mean, that I, means in five I, years I you've got one. That means in five years you've got one. I still have none. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't get why they didn't do that earlier. Yeah. And and you know, I, I Penn State tried a few different things too. I mean, you know, I. I Warren's kind of been their guy back there this year, I guess, right? Um, yep. yep. You know, so maybe you play around with that a bit. I, I don't know. I mean, how many two-point plays do you have? And the answer is, in the case of these two teams, was not many. Not many effective ones, apparently. Right. Yeah. Ohio <laughs> State's know. off. Ohio State's offensive numbers are bordering on historic halfway through the season. When you watch their offense, what are you seeing? Well, it's pretty close to perfect. I mean, I don't know if you saw Bill Landis' column today. It was great in, in The Athletic. 
he brought up this stat that is just incredible, which is that in 156, the last 156 plays that Ohio State's offense has run with C.J. Stroud, a quarterback, they have scored 150 points. Oof. 156 plays, right. 150 points. Right. So when you are scoring nearly a point per play on average, you're it's doing good. something right. I mean, they are they're really good. And I think the thing that's so amazing about it is, like, Travion Henderson, you know, he plays, like, a half at most, right? right. I mean, they give him, like, nine or ten carries. The average is nine yards a carry. And, and they put him on the bench because they don't want to get him hurt. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just, like, Stroud is amazing. And now they've, I mean, I think what's even more incredible about it is, you know, now they've got the tight end as part of it. I mean, Jeremy Ruckert had a huge game against yeah. Indiana. They barely used him this year, but he scored a couple touchdowns. And and so, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches on offense. And, and it feels like in this day and age, Steve, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, um, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion. Like, again, this is where philosophies change. And I think Nick Saban is kind of front and center on this. I mean, I used to believe defense won championships. Yep. But I just don't anymore, not in college football. You need to be dynamic on offense, and you need to be good enough on defense. Ohio State wasn't good enough on defense at the beginning of the year. They seem to be now, although they haven't really played a great offense in a while. Uh, but if you're good enough on defense and you look like that on offense, I think you got a great chance. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because actually last year when Alabama won the national title and I was doing the show and I said of the seven titles that Nick has, that's kind of fun to think about, seven titles he has, I said this is probably in relative terms his weakest defense. I said because he now understands that you need to be great on offense and if you're great on offense – you can take care of enough on defense to win. In other words, I think any defensive coordinator that's hired these days, Dave, that new defensive coordinator being brought in by a head coach is being asked to get one more stop each half. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And and so and and so now kind of the, the whole philosophy of how you build your program shifts a little bit, which isn't to say like Look, Georgia has an unbelievable defense, and they are the odds-on favorite to win the national championship this year. They are good on offense. Mm-hmm. They're incredible on defense. So, I mean, if yes. you're out of sight, out of this world on defense, I do think you can win. But I don't think you have to be. You can win, in other words, win a national championship. But I don't think you have to be out of this sight, out of sight on defense. But I kind of think you need to be out of sight on offense. Yeah. I mean, I think you need to be like, oh my goodness, how in the world? Are we going to stop these guys? And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird to think of it that way. And, again, it's, I'm somewhat reluctant to do so because kind of that's not my DNA. It's not the way I've thought about football as a fan and as a journalist for all these years. But I just think it's obvious that's the direction it's going in. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm Jack Ham and I have talked about this many times. Like, yeah, a 31-24 game, 28-24 game. But we're at the point in college football where, like, you're going to get some games that are 42-39, and that's just the way it's going to be. You have to, quote, outscore somebody, and I think that's just the way college football is. Instead of putting your best athletes on defense, coaches are putting their best athletes on offense. Bear? Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, like, look, there are freaks on defense all over the place. I, mean, I don't know sure. if you've watched Oregon at all, but 
like Kayvon Thibodeau, we were watching that game <laughs> uh, in the green room. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he's crazy, yeah. right? Like, he is just, you know, he's unblockable. Call off this, unblockable. I mean, there are guys out yeah. there, you just, there's no way to stop them. Um, but, but again, I'm with you. I mean, I, I do think your, your best guys, certainly your best, kind of your speediest guys, you could yep. play them at corner or you could play them at receiver, put them at receiver. Yeah, and you and I feel the same way about it because I'm still somebody who thinks about the defensive part of it a lot because of the era I was up like you were, but you have to realize what the reality is today. So, Dave, always a pleasure. It was great to drop a few plays in the mud. We don't know. you know, In theory, they all work. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you know if I ever get the Bucknell job, too. If you do, we'll have you on every Monday. We'll we'll let you have you on every Monday if you do and kind of make it a coach's show. Seriously? Well, I don't want to. I mean, I'm sure the other guy's doing a bang-up job, so I don't want to in any way (laughs) intimate that he's not. Exactly. But for some reason, he ever retires, let's say. Yes. Maybe I could be considered. And if you need a defensive coordinator, I'm around. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Steve. Thank you.